Welcome to A Brodacious Life. This is a show dedicated to the idea that all people from any background can design a life worth living. It all starts by organizing your life with the five F's. Faith, family, freedom, finance, and fun. We call this A Brodacious Life. Are you ready to design your best life? Your brodacious life? If so, then this is the show for you. What's going on, team? It's another wonderful day. We are super excited that you're here. It is kind of an odd day for us. We had planned to do this outside, but we are not going to be able to have that opportunity. For those who have not had a chance to kind of deal with it, it has been a muddy, murky, wet, wet time here in Mississippi. It is an absolute monsoon rain outside. So doing this indoors is not, or sorry, outdoors is not going to be possible. It'd be a lot more fun for me to cook a brisket and show you how it's done. That would be a lot more fun, but unfortunately that is not available for us at this moment. But we're going to go ahead with a podcast because we're, we're quickly coming up on Labor Day weekend, and you know what that means. You know that means it is time for the smoked meats. So it's a great time to hang out with family and your community and just have a fun time. You know, men, we get really into smoked meats, and it's it's kind of important to our ego, you know, that we get these things right. So with that being said, for this week's Saturday Sevens, I wanted to talk about the seven tips to make your brisket the best at your barbecue. All right. So there's obviously, uh, I believe uh, there was an old man who once told me um, there's a thousand ways to skin a cat. There's a thousand ways to do barbecue and everyone's going to do it differently. I've seen hundreds of different recipes that are out there. I'm an executive chef. Uh, part of my role now is a consultant to restaurants, and being a consultant in the South means I deal with consulting with a lot of barbecue. So I eat a lot of barbecue, and I can tell you what the good barbecuers are doing and what I like to do, and I can tell you there is a big difference between the uh, a house-made barbecue and the championship barbecue. And today I'm going to talk to you about championship barbecue and what real barbecuers that are out there in the industry are doing and what everyone's trying to imitate. Again, these are seven things that you can be doing to up your brisket game. First one is choose quality meat. You know, it's very easy to walk inside of your massive grocery store and your first tendency is to go there and find that really cheap one. And that might be great on your pocket. It might not always be great on your teeth. So key things that you're going to be looking for is some marbling and, and uh, some marbling in the meat. You're also kind of wanting to see what the fat level is going to be like on the top, whether you're talking about the flat or the head. You're kind of looking it to be even in shape and size. Another thing that you might want to ask if you're going to a local butcher shop, which is where I recommend getting your brisket from. Uh, brisket's not one of the pork butts, whatever you can get from the store. Briskets and like good cuts of steak, I always recommend going to your local butcher shop because you're going to be able to ask some questions and get good answers. And a key question in that is, a key question in that is, is how old is this cow? 
and what breed is this cow? So by breed, there's really two-ish major breeds of cows, two that I like to stick to. So you're going to see Black Angus, which are the big, big black ones that you see while you're driving down the roads. And then there's those red and white ones. Those are Herefords. Those are my two favorite go-tos. Now, both of them are delicious, and they each have their... Um, they each have their quality that is good for them, but they are not equal. So it depends on the strengths of what you're wanting in your product. So uh, brisket is, sorry, Angus is going to have a little bit more fat content to it. It's going to have a different level of sinew. Um Certified Hereford or Hereford programs, they're typically a little bit less fat. They're still marbling, but there's less extra fat. But the way they build muscle structures very differently, it's a very dense muscle structure, which means that it is has a lot more flavor, but it does cook differently and sometimes might cook you to cook just a tad bit longer. Don't be, don't freak out about it. It's just one of those things that, again, the the a ribeye on a certified Hereford is kind of like the color and formation of the flank steak on an Angus. Not in chewiness or anything like that, but just the density of flavor that you get there. So you need to know what kind of cow that is so you can adjust your timing as needed. The second part of that is age. A lot of the cows that are sent to big markets in um, the big shopping centers, Walmart, Kroger, uh, those guys, they are a lot of times the lower cuts, and sometimes they'll call them legacy cuts. And what that means is that that cow is over 30 months old. Now, there's some things you need to know about this because 30 months is a wide, you know, that's kind of the cutoff time for, you know, the certified programs. So when you're getting one of those legacy meats, you know, that means you could get a 30 month and three days old cow or you could be getting an eight year old cow. So it really depends on which breed and which program that they're using. It's super important to ask if it's over 30 months, it's going to be a lot tougher of a cut. The, once you pass that 30 month threshold, the meat becomes more and more and more dense, which means you're going to have a much chewier steak. So you're really wanting something under that 30 month mark. That's something that a lot of barbecuers will not teach you is how to know the age and, and how that plays into it. Once you get over the 30 month mark, you've got to really start being careful. I've had some that are up in that five year range and the quality difference is just it it gets very chewy and it's just something you've got you've really got to be on top of so always ask what the age is and if they don't know the age of that cow when it was butchered you don't want it if you go into one of the other some of the uh smaller grocery chains like here we have a Ramey's they'll have some of the packaging information and they should be able to tell you off of their boxes so the boxing will have a packaging date that packaging date will let you know how old that is so good thing to know second piece of that is keeping it easy on your seasonings people want to go way too hardcore on the seasonings. They want to add 
mango, dehydrated mango with chipotle with black pepper and cumin and whatever else. You don't need all that. So the best barbecuers in the nation are using basically salt and pepper, and that's it. My mix is 25% uh, seasoning salt, 25% kosher salt, 50% uh, fresh cracked, I like prefer fresh cracked black pepper. Mix them all together. I'll coat it up and I let it sit for, you know, five, six hours, kind of let that salt maybe kind of sit in there for a minute. And then part of that also is I'm, you know, kind of goes into number three which is season and let it rest before cooking. Do not put that into the smoker ice cold. You're going to want to bring that out, put it out and uh, season it up. Maybe let it refrigerate for two or three, maybe four hours, and then bring it out about two hours beforehand. Let it just sit on the counter, not in the summer's heat, nothing like that, but a nice 70-degree room. Just let it sit on the counter. You're wanting to get it down to room temp-ish. You don't want that block ice cold before it goes into the smoker. You're going to change the smoker temperature too much, and you're probably going to end up getting some weird funk going on um, with the with the meat, you're not going to develop that bark and everything that you're looking for. So number four is choose the right wood. Wood is obviously a key important when it comes to smoking. How you choose your wood says a lot about you. Um, there's lots of different styles. You know, out in Texas, they have what they call post oak, which is like this super hard uh, oak. Um, there's a... Uh, uh, great restaurant out there. Of course, it's leaving my mind the second that I'm talking about it. Uh, that's what they use. World Championship Franklin's Barbecue. Sorry. Franklin's Barbecue, that's what they're using. They're using wild post oak, and it's just a really dense, slow-smoking um, wood, which makes it really great. I'm in Mississippi. Mississippi, we mostly use pecan wood. Pecan wood is something that's pretty accessible here. Pecan trees kind of get uh, knocked down by the tornadoes and hurricanes that kind of come through throughout the season. So it's an item that we can pick up and for relatively cheap or, you know, we can help out a neighbor, get it chopped up, broke down, and we'll have a supply for a year or two. It's just a great product to have. Also need to make sure that your wood is seasoned properly. Has it had the amount of time to where it's going to dry out and basically become almost kindling? You know, and by that, I mean the moisture itself has had time to evaporate out. And a lot of times we'll leave the, the stumps whole and let them dry out. And then we'll split the wood once we think that the wood is cured. Typically, that wood is cured for six months to a year. Um, that, for me, is kind of the magic formula. Is really, for me, I think a year. That makes the best smoking wood, in my opinion. I know some guys who will say less. What you're wanting to avoid are fruit woods and pine. Uh, I've been to several barbecues where someone has whipped out the pine and it literally everything will taste like tar and fruit wood. All you're going to get is smoke and not the good smoke. You're going to get that really sooty smoke. It's going to put a black ash on everything and it's just not good to smoke with. Maybe you can roast some marshmallows on it. Maybe do something of that nature where you're quick in and quick out. But for a smoke, fruit wood, and pine is your 
absolute enemy. So number five, um, how to build your bark. Bark, um, not talking about a dog, obviously. Bark is the outside of that brisket. It gets You're looking for this magical surface on the outside of your brisket. You want it to have a little bit of crunch. You want to have a little bit of fat. You want it to have some that moisture to its mouth. And, of course, the seasoning. It's soft. It's chewy. But yet it's got some right on the outside edge, right right on the very outside. There's just that little bit of, that little bit of crunch where you just kind of scrape your knife over the top. It's got that little, like you're almost going over the top of fresh bread a little bit. You're kind of you're kind of wanting to build that up. So how do we build that up? Well, first off, we have a consistent fire. We're going to hold it down at about, I do 225 degrees. I've done it up to 275, but I kind of keep it down to 225. I like the low and slow method. I'll typically cook it overnight. And I'm going to put it on there. And once I put it on and I get the fire situated, I do not touch at all. Now, what I've done is basically I won't touch it for the first two and a half hours at the two and a half hours mark. I'm going to open up. I'm going to check it I'm looking for any burn marks around the outside edges. Make sure it's looking sexy. But what I'm going to do right before I close it to prevent it from really burning I'm going to get a squirt bottle and I've got half beer, half apple cider vinegar, and I'm just going to give that a spritz. Now that's going to keep it from burning, but the sugars are going to help keep building a crust. You know, some people have made the mistake of trying to cheat it by using sugar, you know, but if you're using a liquid like beer that has sugar content, you can help build that crust without burning that top because it always happens anytime somebody uses brown sugar in a rub it burns in the smoker almost every single time because most people aren't that great at controlling the temperature um it's super important that you're just having a consistent temperature all the way through you know i i don't really like the traeger systems um i know they're consistent they're they're great uh i'm an old school guy i do like the cutting up fresh wood, making sure that's there. So you really got to dial that in and make sure that's right. Maybe you cheat. Maybe you use a little, uh, you know, a Bluetooth thermometer. So while you sleep, you can kind of look it up, double check it, make sure everything's good. That's awesome. I don't have that. Um, We kind of go old school on mine. No big deal. So number six is know when to stop and know when to finish in the oven. So a lot of people will have this idea that they've got to completely push it through the the smoker the entire time. That is a huge mistake. You do not have to do that. You risk overcooking it. You risk it being also too smoky. I like a good amount of smoke. I don't like crazy smoke. I want to have just that right amount to where you know you've got that tenderness, that smoky, salty, peppery, but you don't want it just down your throat salt like you just basically breathed a bonfire. You're not really looking for that. So you got to know when to pull it off. So what am I looking for? When I open it up, and it's typically for me around the seven hour to eight hour mark, I'm kind of dialing it in around six hours. But really, normally, it's around the seven and eight hour 
uh, timeline. I'm going to go there and I'm just going to start pressing the top. And what I'm seeing is, is that is the fat releasing? Is it releasing a little bit of juice when I squeeze? Is it tender at that point in time? Um, at that, if I see that I've got all those things, <clears throat> then, uh, I can do one of two things. Um, I'll, you can wrap it up in foil or you can wrap it up in butcher paper. I prefer butcher paper. I'm a little bit more old school that way when it comes to, uh, for, for, I don't know why for me, butcher paper works best with brisket. Uh, aluminum foil works best for me on pork butts. That's just my opinion. I don't explain it. I don't have any scientific information to back this up. It's just for me as a chef, that's what I do. Now, before I go to wrap it in this butcher paper, I have secretly done something in that smoker that most people don't do. A lot of people might even just cook the brisket straight up. They might not even trim it, but I trim a good bit of that fat off. I don't like a whole bunch of extra, extra fat. And uh, we just did a monster brisket a couple weeks ago. Um, so I went out and it was a 23 pound brisket. It was the biggest brisket I've ever seen in my life. Uh, I trimmed two pounds of fat off, but I put that fat down on the very bottom of the smoker close to the fire. So I rendered the fat off of that and I now have a super smoky fat. And so basically what I've done is before, as I go to wrap that brisket in the butcher paper, I'm going to pour that fat over that and basically put more moisture on that brisket. So I'm going to wrap it up and then wrap it up tight with that fat. And then I'm going to put it in the oven and I'm going to set an oven for 300 degrees for about an hour and a half, two hours. Again, it depends on your brisket size, depends on what breed you have, how old that cow is. There's lots of factors when it comes to time and temperature. Do not let anyone tell you that it's a one call, one all cure all fix. You really got to be dialed in. A great, a great barbecuer can make a lesser meat taste good, but you can't make it taste great, but you can, an amateur can make a really good piece taste great if they have simple techniques and they know what they're doing. The last piece of this puzzle, which is super important, is resting. A lot of people make a huge mistake. They get that brisket right out of the smoker, right out of the oven. It's piping hot. And they're first because it smells so good. It's so tempting. You're, you're already hungry. You've probably been babysitting this thing at this point for 12 hours. You're ready to get a bite of something, something. But unfortunately, that piece of meat is not ready. So you cannot do that. So you need to go and let it rest. And all you're going to do is sit it up on the counter. And it's the biggest torture you'll ever have. You're going to get that piece of meat. You're going to sit it on the counter, even just leave it wrapped. And you're going to leave it on that counter. And believe me or not, hear me out. Let it rest for two hours. Let it sit for two hours in, in the foil or butcher paper out on your counter. And just let it sit that fat because what's happening is, is inside, once you cook something, the molecules are running wild. They're constantly, they're zipping around. They're going crazy. And then as 
the uh, as the meat cools, it slows down the molecules. So then they become locked in place. And then when the problem is, is when you slice it and you you tear those molecules, it runs. So we see it as all the juice running out. So you'll basically have a super, super dry brisket. And when you get down to that flap, you already you can't afford to not have moisture in there. That brisket flap is already it's a little bit thinner than the head. Uh, sometimes I'll even cut the head separate from the flap, um, kind of just kind of depending on how big the pieces are. That past big chunk that I had, it was just too big. I had to separate them out just to fit them into my, uh, my dad's double stack uh, smoker. So you really got to be super careful and you will need to let that rest. And then from there, you have to make sure that you are cutting uh, against the grain. And it's kind of complicated, but if you see the grain uh, moving left to right, you want to cut uh, from your front to, so from left, the grain of the meat, let me rephrase that, the grain of the meat is running left to right, you're wanting to cut straight in front of you and just make small, quick slices straight forward. You want to go completely um, a cut against the grain. If you cut with the grain, the texture is will be super tough, and it just won't be the same texture quality that you're used to. Well, guys, this is the Saturday Sevens. I'm super glad that you were here for our podcast episode and live video for YouTube. If you've not had a chance yet, we're all come like and subscribe our YouTube channel. We're posting content here. We're going to be posting some of these cooking videos and different things like that. It's a project that's in the works. Unfortunately for me, it has been an absolute monsoon rain every single day, pretty much since July. Our our farm and our pastures are absolutely drenched. I can't get my cars anywhere outside of the driveway where they get just absolutely stuck. I'm very blessed. I'm very thankful for the rain, um, but it is uh, kind of making a little bit of damper on some uh, some projects that we wanted to do going into Labor Day weekend. So hopefully we'll be able to find that time. In the meantime, make sure you like, subscribe, leave us some stars up there, leave a comment down below. I'll be posting up a video, of course, of this in the future. No worries. We're going into football season, so there are plenty things to talk about when it comes to smoky meats and grilling out. It's my favorite time of the year. I am a diehard college football fan. I get super geeky about it on Saturdays. I'm excited because this is for the first time in 20 years, I now have a job that doesn't require me to work on Saturdays. So I get my college football fix on a Saturday and I'm super pumped about it. So there's going to be lots of great content this fall and uh, just different things that we're cooking, having fun. If you enjoyed this, again, like, subscribe, go find the podcast or find us here on YouTube and hit that subscribe button. Thank you so much and have a great day. Thank you for listening to today's episode of A Brodacious Life. We hope that you will like and subscribe to this show on whatever platform that you are listening to. Sign up for our newsletter at abrodaciouslife.com and follow us on Instagram. More importantly, we hope that you spend your day with faith, family, freedom, finance, and fun and live brodaciously.